Thanks for joining me on Jesus and Books. I'm Jason Comley. In this episode, I'll be talking about, among other things, The God Who Weeps, How Mormonism Makes Sense of Life. It's a book by Terrell L. Givens and Fiona Givens. In preparing this podcast, it made me think about the attributes and emotions that I've experienced or that are evident to me in in my personal experiences with the risen exalted Jesus Christ. So I wrote a list of of attributes and emotions that are evident to me and others that I've only read of. So the ones that are evident are love, mercy, patience, sense of humor, empathy, his love of surprises, and even friendliness. And in past episodes, I've likened Jesus Christ to a Zen master. Emotions and attributes that I've only read of are anger and sensitivity to the point of weeping. Now, in the New Testament, in his mortal ministry, yes, he wept at least twice that I can remember. But has he wept as an exalted being? Well, he has experienced grief and regret as before the flood in Noah's time. A revulsion at rituals done without holiness. Just this morning I was reading in Leviticus how he commanded that a proselyte be stoned to death for cursing his name and in the Book of Mormon the Lord destroys entire cities before visiting the peoples of America yes he he does have extreme emotions I guess you could say But what this book convincingly answers is, does the exalted Christ weep? In another book that they've written called The Christ Who Heals, they talk about an experience that they had with a friend. And I'm going to read that from their book, The Christ Who Heals, also by the Givens. And it's talking about a dear friend who suffered an unspeakable atrocity when a little girl. Says uh, geographically isolated as she was, there was no one to hear her cries or to aid her. In order to survive, as many do, she tucked the horror into the depth of her subconscious mind. Still, the effects continued to haunt her, marring all aspects of her life. She suffered a series of further setbacks and abandonments. Even after she became a member of the church, She continued to bear the psychological trauma bound up in her hidden memory, in addition to single mother travails. Still, she remained faithful, accepting callings and attending sacrament meetings week after week and year after year. Fiona marveled at her courage and tenacity. There was no evidence of any respite or healing. Yet still, she came. Then one day, out of the blue, she approached Fiona with the words, I have something important to share with you. Disconcerted, in spite of her earnestness, 
that she should approach Fiona in a location she would never have associated with the sacred, Fiona was nevertheless roused from her discomfort by the following words, words that often precede revelatory experience. I do not know if I was awake or asleep, but last night the Savior appeared at the foot of my bed. He was weeping. He called me by my name and spoke, I am so sorry for your life, I am so sorry for your life, which, while weeping, he continued to repeat until I awoke the next morning to find my pillow bathed in my own tears, tears of divine healing, tears of absolute love. So that passage is really moving to me. I've never experienced that myself, although, as I said, I have experienced the Savior's empathy. The thing is, is that the Jesus people often hear in church is what I would call the grand but bland Christ, the loving and all-knowing but one-dimensional God. And while the scriptures and some people's experiences show that Christ is full of emotions, most people's experiences of Christ are gentle, subtle, quiet, private, and they don't quite reflect the Jesus Christ of the New Testament. He's a toned-down Jesus. So it makes me wonder, you know, is the nature and personality of Jesus Christ the same now as in the New Testament, or has he changed somewhat, evolved somewhat, from the Old Testament to the New Testament to exalted being? Now it says in Hebrews 13.8 that he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, but what would account for that dynamic range of emotions and yet that mildness? Is there a certain word that accounts for all of that? And I was wondering that. Well, that answer came to me in a talk by Elder Bednar, David Bednar. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ and a a leader of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he recently gave a talk called Meek and Lowly of Heart. What he said in the talk, and I'm going to quote, he says, Please notice the characteristic the Lord used to describe himself in the following scripture. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And that's in Matthew 11.29. He goes on to say, Instructively, the Savior chose to emphasize meekness from among all the attributes and virtues he potentially could have selected. He goes on to say that meekness is a defining attribute of the Redeemer and is distinguished by righteous responsiveness, willing submissiveness, and strong self-restraint. The Christ-like quality of meekness often is misunderstood in our contemporary world. Meekness is strong, not weak, active, not passive, courageous, not timid, restrained, not excessive, modest, not self-aggrandizing, and gracious, not brash. A meek person is not easily provoked, pretentious, or overbearing, and readily acknowledges the accomplishments of others. 
I've also heard meekness defined as power under control. So it would seem that meekness governs all his other emotions. It may be the most important of all his attributes and virtues. Or maybe it's the one that we need to emulate and cultivate the most. Now the thing is, is meekness boring? But then again, is Buddha boring? Buddha was meek. Is Confucius boring? Confucius was certainly meek, yet they were extremely influential. Christ is the greatest example of meekness. So there seems to be a mystery with meekness. With someone who is meek, it would be a hint that there is certainly a lot more to that person. And that would be a person that we'd want to get to know. Now on to God who weeps. You know, the trouble with reviewing books by Terrell and Fiona Gibbons is that they are so beautifully written, they're hard to paraphrase. I highly recommend reading all their books. They talk about overabundance, wonderful part about overabundance, which I'm not going to cover, and how Lord God seeks refuge in temples. So we really, we see a very tender-hearted Christ in the Givens books, and it's well supported by Scripture. Now the Givens say that tenderness suggests sensitivity. They say that a loving heart, like an exposed nerve, is by definition susceptible to pain. Do we really want to believe in a God who is unshielded from evil, that can be taken hostage to the whims of wicked people? They say that Job had posed earlier, What is man that thou shouldst magnify him, and that thou shouldst set thine heart upon him? They say that the astonishing revelation here is that God does set his heart upon us. And in so doing, God chooses to love us. And if love means responsibility, sacrifice, vulnerability, then God's decision to love us is the most stupendously sublime moment in the history of time. He chooses to love even at, necessarily at, the price of vulnerability. So like I said, it's, it's hard to paraphrase such a beautiful sentiment. But we know that love requires vulnerability. Relationships make people vulnerable. And the Savior is about relationships and, and love. So I guess it would make sense that he can be affected by our wickedness. And we see evidence of that in the book of Judges, where Israel forsakes the worship of Jehovah, and they suffer defeat and oppression at their enemies' hands as a result. This is also in the book. Now the Israelites repent and cry unto the Lord for mercy, and the Lord replies, Ye have abandoned me. In the King James Version it says that his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. So he is affected by our wickedness. He grieves when we forsake him. Now central to their book is the account of the prophet Enoch who was taken into heaven, and he records his vision. Enoch was a prophet who led the people of the city of Zion. His ministry is discussed in both the Old Testament and the Pearl of Great Price. 
of the Pearl of Great Price is a part of the canonical standard works of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Enoch was the seventh patriarch after Adam. He was the son of Jared and the father of Methuselah. Enoch was a great person and had a more significant ministry than the Bible's brief account of him indicates. Now the Bible notes that he was translated into heaven but gives no details. That's where the LDS scripture comes in and we learn a lot more and how God reveals himself to Enoch. Quoting from God Who Weeps, he, uh, that's Enoch, sees Satan's dominion over the earth and God's unanticipated response to a world veiled in darkness. The God of heaven looked upon the residue of the people and he wept. And Enoch bore record of it, saying, How is it that the heavens weep and shed forth their tears as the rain upon the mountains? And Enoch said unto the Lord, How is it that thou canst weep? The question here is not about the reasons behind God's tears. Enoch does not ask, Why do you weep? But rather, How are your tears even possible, seeing thou art holy? and from all eternity to all eternity. The book, uh, I'm still quoting from the book here, Clearly Enoch, who believed God to be merciful and kind forever, did not expect such a being could be moved to the point of distress by the tears of his children. And so a third time he asked, How is it that thou canst weep? The answer, it turns out, is that God is not exempt from emotional pain. I'll close with another passage from God Who Weeps. Divine vulnerability is most dramatically embodied in the figure and mission of the Christ. Jesus Christ has had unparalleled hold on the human heart because he fully shared in the human condition. And a little further on. Christ's empathy, then, is not some inherent attribute of the divine. It was dearly paid for each day of his mortal life, filled as it was with all the trauma an uncomprehending world could inflict on perfect innocence. This is a wonderful book. Terrell and Fiona Givens have a lot of fans, and certainly it's easy to see why with such hopeful and insightful books that they write. Highly recommended. You may want to check out my review, I guess you could call it, of The Christ Who Heals although I seriously derailed on that one. So thanks for listening to Jesus in Books. I appreciate you. God bless. Music